How about our junior hires? Yeah. <laughs> Man, I'll tell them first service, but I'll tell them again, you guys sound great. Really good, and I uh, like the energy. Love the new song. Yep. Like the, uh, we had some movement up here. I think that's prohibited after you turn like 18 or something, because somewhere it stops. I don't know. There's an un, unwritten rule somewhere in the Adventist church. I'm not sure. Um, but that was great. Chris, thanks for wherever you went. Thanks for organizing and pulling this together. Really appreciate it. Um, so uh, did we get it going? Hello? Yes? No? Tyler? Tyler, our man, is coming to rescue the day. Yes. Here. Uh, so, so I just want to... I just want to brag on Tyler a little bit, if that's all right. <clears throat> so Tyler's been uh, learning the soundboard and, and learning video and things like that. And, uh, and he basically, basically ran sound for Pathfinder Sabbath, if you were here that day. And uh, July 1st is going to be his first total solo run running sound for our church. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Um, you gave me one with dead batteries, so let's try this. <laughs> Here, we, maybe we can switch the batteries in this, but you can give me a hand. Because I can't talk and chew gum at the same time. So if you could swap the batteries, I think we'll be good. We'll try that. But yeah, so that says a lot about, uh, about Tyler and his courage. Because I'll tell you, a lot of you out there are afraid to run sound because if something goes wrong, everybody looks at you, right? <laughs> so Tyler has a lot of courage, and he likes to take risks. And uh, we're just blessed to have him and his family as part of our church family. Amen? So, yeah. So, guys, Tyler, don't listen. No matter what happens July 1st, you tell him it was awesome. All right? <laughs> it was awesome. If anything goes wrong, it's everybody else's fault. So, hello? Yep. Oh, yes. Awesome. Good job, Tyler. Good job, Ben. Way to go. Today, uh, we are going to be looking at Psalms 51. And so we're going to be do, doing some confession here. We're going to be doing some confessing, church family. You didn't know you were coming today to do some confessing, right? We're going to break up into small groups. We're going to confess some secret sins. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm just kidding. You're like, oh, I'm out of here. <laughs> but we're going to be doing some confessing because Psalm 51 does some confessing. And it reminds us that it's essential to our well-being to do some confessing, to recognize our sin. We're going to confess that, but the other thing that's, that's even better is that we're going to confess that we have a God who has saved us and forgives us, that we're not just left in our sin, right? Isn't that good news that we are not left in our sin? We're not left to battle our sin on our own, but we have a God who himself came down to battle it for us and in us and within us and through us, because that's the type of God that we have. So we're going to be doing some confessing of our sins and confessing of our God and our Savior. I want to share with you a few words. I found these, I just love these words from this commentary that I refer to from time to time called the New Interpreter's Bible. Listen to these words as this uh, commentator makes some words about Psalms 51. Psalm 51 calls to our attention a perennial feature of the human situation, sin. As A. Whitney Brown has said of human history, I love this, any good history book is mainly just a long list of mistakes, complete with names and dates. It's very embarrassing, he says. This characterization is preeminently true of the Bible. 
Israel's story is indeed a long list of mistakes. David's story and the history of the subsequent monarchy are indeed very embarrassing. So is the psalmist's story in Psalm 51. So is the behavior of the disciples in the Gospels. So is the situation of the early church revealed in the letters of Paul. So is the history of the Christian church throughout the centuries. So are the denominational and congregational lives of the contemporary church. So are the details of our life stories. If we are honest enough to admit it, in short, Psalm 51 is not just about Israel or David or some unknown ancient psalmist. It is also about us. It is about who we are and how we are as individuals, families, churches. Sin pervades our lives. It's very embarrassing. Now listen, I love this. That is the bad news. <laughs> but the good news of Psalm 51 is even more prominent. Psalm 51 is not just about human nature. Now listen to this. It is also about God's nature. Did you catch that? Psalm 51 is not just about human nature, it's also about God's nature. And the good news is that God is willing to forgive sinners and is able to recreate people. Last line. To be sure, sin is a powerful and persistent reality, but God's grace is a more powerful and enduring reality. Wow. That's what we're going to dig into today. Psalms chapter 51. Psalms chapter 51, David is crying out in verse 1, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Have you ever felt really sorry for something you've done? I'm sure you have. I'm hoping you have. Sometimes we feel sorry and sometimes maybe not so sorry. But have you ever felt sorry because you got caught? It's a whole other thing, right? You do something, you get away with it, but then to be called out on it? You know, you hear that sometimes. Sometimes as parents we say that. So are you really sorry or are you sorry because you got caught? Well, Psalm 51 relates to a situation where David got caught. Now, as I was thinking about this sermon and as I was thinking about the situation that led to this psalm, I thought, how can I be as G-rated as possible? Because if you're not familiar with the story, the story is found in 2 Samuel 11 and 12. And David went up on the rooftop one night as king, and it was a nice night outside, and he happened to look across, and there was... A very beautiful woman. A very beautiful woman. And he did not practice a certain spiritual exercise that I try to practice when I'm on the freeway. When someone drives recklessly by me, one of the practices I try to do is look the other way and pray. Here's why. If I don't look the other way, I will look at the person and I will have judgmental thoughts. I will have vengeful thoughts, all these type of things. So you didn't know you could practice spiritual exercises on the freeway. All it takes is looking the other way and prayer. But David, when he was up on the rooftop, looked over and saw a beautiful woman and kept looking that way. 
One thing led to another, and before you knew it, let's just say they shared company with each other. And one thing led to another, and she became pregnant. David goes on. I'm going to kind of somewhat butcher the story, but move it along. David goes along and tries to get rid of her husband. In verse 11, uh, the verse 13 of chapter 11, it, scripture specifically says that David got her husband drunk. This is a man after God's own heart, right? Adultery, drug pusher. And then finally, he gets a hold of one of his commanders and he says, I want you to take Uriah out to battle and I want you to go to the most difficult parts of the front lines and when you get there, withdraw the troops <laughs> so that he will be killed. This is all accidental. He didn't mean any of this. None of it was premeditated, right? Adultery, get someone else drunk, and then have somebody else killed. This is David. Move along in the story, God sends a prophet, Nathan, to come to him and confront him with what he's done. David got caught. He didn't repent for almost probably about a year later after what he'd done, but he got caught, and so he repents. If you'd like to read the story sometime, 11 and 12 of, chapters 11 and 12 of 2 Samuel. And so we find David now calling out to God, steeped in his sin, be gracious to me, O God. O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. When you know you've done wrong and there is no way of getting out of it, all you can do is throw yourself on the mercy seat. And that's what he's doing. He throws himself completely at the mercy of God and his graciousness, his loving kindness, his faithfulness. Blot out, wash out, cleanse. For I know, in verse 3 he says, my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. When you read this, don't you often say, really, David, you only sinned against God? <laughs> it seems like there were a few others you sinned against. But ultimately, when we sin, when we sin against other people, aren't we ultimately sinning against God? God's will, God's ways, God's reign, God's creation. Anyone have some need of blotting out, of thorough cleansing? Anybody here need that this morning? Yeah. I do. So let's have some confession. How many of you here are sinners? Okay. Some of you we need to meet with afterwards. Those of you who didn't raise their hands. All right? There's a thing called denial. It's not very healthy. We know we're all sinners, right? How many of you sinned yesterday? Yeah, some of you. Some of you are like, I do it all the time. <laughs> right? How many of you sinned this morning? Yeah? Oh, only, only, a th only, wow, only 10%. You guys do really good on the Sabbath. We're going to have George Barna do some research. He's the one who does all the research on the churches. Do it on Adventists. You know, he's going to show. Adventists sin less on the Sabbath. Right? <laughs> 
Don't you just love it how sometimes you might, you might even think sometimes, man, I'm doing pretty good. I didn't really sin that much this morning. And the Holy Spirit goes, oh, I got a little pride there, huh? Right? <laughs> little self-assurance. We can be very crafty, church, with our sinfulness. We can be very crafty in our rationalizing and in our denial. I love what... Uh, Tim Keller, who we used his book on prayer, we did the series on prayer, he, he kind of he elaborates on um, C.S. Lewis's writing in Mere Christianity. If you've never read the book Mere Christianity, do yourself a treat and read Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And he kind of um, spins off what he says. I'm going to read you some from Mere Christianity, but, but I, I like what he says. He says, if you ever want to try to find out if you have rats in the basement, you definitely do not stand at the top of the basement and yell out to your spouse, hey, I wonder if we have rats down in the basement, right? And then kind of jiggle the door handle. Hey, honey, I'm just going to check if we have rats down there. And then kind of bang open the door and then stomp down the stairs and say, I wonder if we have any rats down here and then turn on the lights. Are you going to see any rats? No, right? The way you want to find out you have rats is open the door quietly, right? Go down the stairs very softly and quietly, right? Get down there, turn on the lights, right? And then you'll see, <laughs> unless they're really arrogant and confident rats, they'll stare you down, right? <laughs> Why they're chewing on something they shouldn't be chewing on. But that's how you find out. And so C.S. Lewis says, the excuse for most of us, for most of my sinful moments that immediately springs to my mind is that the provocation was so sudden and unexpected. I was caught off my guard like a rat who didn't get enough warning. Now that may be an ex extenuating circumstance as regards those particular acts. They would obviously be worse if they had been deliberate and premeditated. Now listen to this. On the other hand, Surely what a man does when he's taken off his guard is the best evidence for what sort of man he is. Surely what pops out before the man has time to put on a disguise is the truth. We're not just talking about rats this morning, are we? I often say, you know, situations can can obviously give us opportunity for growth, but oftentimes situations reveal us what comes out naturally, organically. And we all have some of that sinful rat inside of us, and we can try to cover it up, say, there are no rat, there's no rats in the basement. But sometimes when we look at our actions and our activity, we go, well, maybe there is. And so David, David goes on and he says, behold, in verse five, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden parts you will make me know wisdom. He's saying this is something that I have that's systemic. It's at the core inside of me. And it just keeps working itself out, and I feel like I can't control this, but, but God, you desire truth in the innermost being. In the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Purify me, he says with hisab and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice and hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Please, Lord, purify me. Wash me. Make me to hear 
Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Well, church, the bad news is that we're sinners. But the good news is we have a God who saves. We have a God who cleans. We have a God who blots out. We have a God who washes. And we have a God who came to do that. We didn't beg and beg and beg and finally says, all right, I'll do it. He came down because he wants to restore us. He wants to recreate us. He wants to make all things new again. And so David pens these next words that that Mark read for us. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Do you resonate with that this morning, church? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That word create, it's a powerful word. This word create is is only attributed to God, no one else in scriptures. Only God creates like this is talking about. And if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, the very first few verses of scripture, you remember these words? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters and then God said, let there be light and there was light and God saw the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. Just as God made this amazing earth, light and darkness, sun, moon and stars and all of creation and humanity, just as he made it out of what? Nothing. It was darkness and void, and God made what we know, and even more since before sin. This very same word is the word that's used in this psalm, that God can create a new heart in us. No matter how dark, no matter how void, no matter what's missing, God can create a new heart. God can restore and renew and create a new heart. The words that that David echoes here, in a sense. God talks about in Ezekiel chapter 36. Here we see God's will for people. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 through 27, I say that we see God's will because listen to how many times you hear the phrase, I will, in reference to God. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. Isn't that beautiful? I will. God says, I will do this. I will do this. You see, the reason why God wants us to be honest about our sin is not so that we can just crawl up in a ball in a fetal position and say there's no hope. It's so that we'll turn to him, so that we will offer our lives to him and recognize there's nothing we can do to change this heart, to change my will. Only the very grace and the activity and the power of God through the Holy Spirit can that happen in your life and in my life, period. And so God doesn't go around pointing the finger 
you're doing this, you're doing that, you're doing this, you're doing that. I think he puts a hand out and says, come. I see you doing that. I see that happening. Come to me so I can heal you. Come to me so I can enfold you. Come to me so I can restore your heart. I can change your will, your intentions, the very power of your life. He didn't come to leave us in our sin. He came to rescue us and to restore us. And so the New Testament. The New Testament, we see this fulfilled through Jesus Christ. Some of us may be familiar with these words in Romans chapter 7 and chapter 8. We see the struggle is real when it says in verse 18 of chapter 7, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh, for the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. You ever feel that way? For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I'm doing the very thing I do not want, I'm no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me and the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? And I love verse 25. Who will set me free? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's the one who sets us free. Jesus. So then on the one hand I find myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh the law of sin. And then verse 1 of chapter 8. Please always read chapter 7 with chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Isn't that good news, church? God has provided a way for us not to be stuck and wallowing in our sin. You see, I think the word grace gets sold short way too often. Some people, you know, I've had people say to me, okay, not necessarily you all, but I've had people say to me, oh yeah, you talk about this grace. It's just forgiveness, 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 forgiveness. Forgiveness is important, isn't it? But let me tell you, God doesn't stop with forgiveness. He goes on to restoration and re recreation. He goes on to making new. The whole gospel is I've been forgiven, I've been made right with God, and now I'm being made new by God. That's the full gospel that he's created a new heart in me so that now I am growing Christ in me and now I am loving and forgiving as Christ has. And God's kingdom reigns through me so that as I go about my life in the classroom, as a student, as a teacher, as I go to work, as I'm at home or whatever it is, by the grace of God, there's more of him reigning in me and less of me and my empire. That only happens by grace. It only happens through the Holy Spirit by the presence of Jesus in my life. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. 
Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It's all him in us. The whole purpose for recognizing our sin and confessing our sin is to give it up and recognize we can't do it. We surrender to him and we put our lives in his hands and we ask him to make us new again. We trust him with our lives. I was sharing in first service, you know, I don't, I don't care what age you are, young or old, but I remember when I was younger, maybe sometimes you struggle with this, I remember when I was younger, I think I was about 11 years old. At 11 years, I wondered if I had sinned so much that God could not forgive me. You ever been there? Maybe not at 11, but somewhere in your life, did you ever have that question like, can God really forgive me that, that much? Now, how much can you do by 11 years old, right? But I remember thinking, God, and then, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to screen here a little bit. Uh, let me screen. I had collected some candy in the neighborhood. And one of the places I went was a church two blocks away from the house. And I remember as I was going through my candy, I picked out this thing, and I thought, well, this doesn't look just like candy, and I opened it up. And the Spirit of God used that because I had a message from that church to remind me I was forgiven and that God loved me. Isn't God good? Yeah. Let's not put boxes around God, church. Okay? The kingdom of God is always bigger than we can imagine. And it always surprises us. And so God, he wants us to be honest and real about our sin and he also wants us to be honest and real with him. To know how much he loves us, how much he forgives us, and how much he wants to restore us. I love the saying, I don't know who said it, but I, it always rings in my ears, Jesus never leaves us where he finds us. Ever. We just gotta be willing to walk with him. We gotta be convinced that walking with him is the greatest thing we can do with our lives. Period. And so David, after saying this, goes on and he says in verse 14, deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise, for you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. Being honest with God, being real with God. A broken and a contrite heart Oh God, I love this, you will not despise. If your heart is broken this morning because of the sin in your life, there's good news, God will not despise you. He wants to embrace you and he wants to heal you. I love these words from Desire of Ages. When she writes, when self is renounced, then the Lord can make a new creature. New bottles can contain the new wine. And I love this phrase in particular. Listen to this. The love of Christ will animate the believer with new life. The love of Christ will animate the believer with new life. Can you see it? Picture the love of Christ in you and in me and our body becoming animated, right, with new life. In him who looks unto the author and finisher of our faith, the character of Christ will be manifest. 
She goes on in a, another book, From Eternity Past. The heart must be renewed by divine grace. He who attempts to build up a virtuous character independent of the grace of Christ is building his house upon shifting sand. In the fierce storms of temptation, it will surely be overthrown. David's prayer should be the petition of every soul. Create me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I love those words. It's the love of Christ. It's the grace of God that does all the work within us. We just have to keep showing up to God. Keep trusting him with our lives. Remember the words that Jesus said, if we abide in him, if we abide in his word, then we are truly his disciples. And then he said, and then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's all in Jesus, in his words and in his presence. Um, I'm gonna ask uh, video recording or any audio recording to stop or pause, if you will. forgive you because that's powerful but he also wants to restore you and recreate you and give you a new heart so that the things that you and I wrestle with there'll be less and less of and we can experience more the life that he created us for let's pray Jesus we can never give you enough thanks or praise or adoration for how much you love us we can never give you enough glory for how much you love us. And so Jesus, I just sensed this morning that some of us maybe here have never given you our hearts before and we, we want to do that this morning. If you haven't done that, I encourage you just to give your life and your heart over to Jesus because he's really good with life. And Lord, some of us have given you our life, our heart before, and sometimes we feel like, oh, I just keep stumbling. Lord, we can know that you're not done with us yet. But give us the grace, because it takes your strength and your power, takes your spirit to keep us showing up with you, to keep trusting, to keep saying yes to you and to trust you with our lives. Lord, take us deeper into your word. Take us deeper into our prayer life with you. And Lord, may we also, as we allow you to forgive us, may we also have the grace to forgive others that we may not be forgiving at this point. Because Lord, when we don't forgive others, we hold ourselves in the dominion of darkness instead of the kingdom of God. So may we let that go and let you reign. Trust that situation in your hands. And Lord, where there's been wounds that are deep because of relationships, I pray for healing. I pray for restoration. I pray for us to be honest with each other, with our spouses, with our kids, with our coworkers, with our friends. If we know that we've hurt someone, give us the strength to say I'm sorry. Give us the strength to confess. And Lord, if we've been hurt by someone, may we even forgive them before they ask for forgiveness. So Jesus, create in us a clean heart and restore 
a right spirit within us. Take a moment now just in silent prayer to express your heart to Jesus this morning. give the benediction, I just want to mention um, Danny Kohler is in the hospital down in San Diego, down at Scripps Greenies. Something's come on very suddenly this week, and they've asked for anointing, and so um, I'll be down there. Uh, we're going to have the anointing probably sometime around 4.30ish, and so I would just ask that you might pause in that 4 o'clock hour sometime and say a prayer for Danny and Sylvia and their family. Um, as he will be anointed sometime during that time. But keep the family in your prayers uh, during this time as well. As we go, may we thoroughly be blessed and enjoy the forgiveness of God and surrender to him daily that he might make us new. And may we also extend that to those we travel this life with through forgiveness and grace. God bless you.